Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. A story has been brewing for a year that went largely unnoticed by the Catholic commentary community, despite the secular world watching and waiting very patiently for this story to unfold. That should be concerning by itself, because when forces not affiliated with the church are patiently waiting for something the Catholic world is not really reporting on, you know you've got a problem. That story, the Vatican, is about to unseal the records of Pope Pius XII, a pope much maligned by the secular world since the Second World War, and especially since his death. When do these records get unsealed? On March 2nd of 2020, a week from now. So let's dive into this story because it is an important one. Okay, so this is not a story of scandal within the church, of bad prelates and cover-ups and the whole nine yards. This is a story about Catholic identity, and frankly, about the heroics of a pope that have been twisted by the forces of history, specifically atheistic Protestants, and into something dark. That story? Well, our headline covers it. Our headline comes from Fox News. Vatican set to open Pius XII's secret World War II archives. Yeah, maybe now you understand why this is such a big deal. I am going to paraphrase the story from Fox because of the sensitive nature of the subject. But it goes like this. Monday, a week from today, the Vatican is set to open the secret archives of Pope Pius XII related to the Second World War. Since his death, some of the members of the uh, Hebrew faith have accused him of staying silent during the war, especially about the atrocities committed by the Germans. Others, including famous religious leaders from that same group, have said quite the opposite, pointing out that he helped run essentially an underground railroad to spirit victims of German oppression to safety. Quoting the story from Fox, quote, Cardinal Jose Tolentino Calaca de Mendoza, the Vatican's chief librarian, said Thursday that all researchers, regardless of nationality, faith, and ideology, were welcome to request access to the Vatican's apostolic library, which will open the archive. The church has no reason to fear history, he told reporters. More than 150 historians and researchers have signed up to access the soon-to-open Pius XII archives. Pagano told Vatican News that it has taken about 14 or 15 years to prepare the huge amount of documents in the archive, which are now digitized. The papacy of Pius XII coincided with a moment in history, unfortunately devastated and bloodied by the last world conflict, but also by everything that happened within that conflict and immediately after its conclusion, Pagano said in the translated interview. End quote. Now, this story has been brewing for a year now. Headline from March of 2019, Vatican to open World War II secret archives of Pope Pius XII. That comes to us from Catholic World Report, or this one from Time Magazine Online. Headline, the Vatican will unseal records about Holocaust-era Pope Pius XII. Here's what we already know about his controversial legacy. Again, these are from a year ago, and this is the story I'm going to focus on from March of last year. Mostly quoting, but in some places paraphrasing the Time article, due to the sensitivity of the topic. 
quote. But after the Pope, the death of Pope Pius XII in 1958, debate about his actions or inactions increased. Rolf Holkhuth's 1963 play, The Deputy, accused the Pope of not openly condemning, uh, shall we say, Mr. Mustache's uh, anti-Hebrewism because he saw the National Socialist Workers' Party rule of Germany as a barrier between Christians and communists. Here's how the Times article summed up what was then known about the issue. Over the next decade, at least a half dozen books came out on the subject. If anything, Time reported, the books, specifically a volume on the Vatican's efforts to help Hebrews in eastern Germany, only heightened the debate rather than resolved it. End quote. All right, so here's the meat of the story. By 1999, Pius XII had become a villain figure in history in the eyes of the secular world, and his actions were used by some of the Protestants and atheists who attack the church and have a weird tendency of idolizing our so-called elder brothers in the faith and their homeland. Here's more from Time. I changed a few words for the same reason I did before, because they tend to be too controversial for the Internet. Don't worry, you'll know what I'm talking about here. Quote, in, 1999, in the 1999 book, Mr. Mustache's Pope, British journalist John Cornwell argued that Pope Pius XII's career as a diplomat helps explain why he didn't openly condemn the German National Socialist Workers' Party persecution of the Hebrews back in the war. Crucially, he had helped orchestrate the Concordat, a word used to describe the Vatican's agreements with secular governments, approved by his predecessor, Pope Pius XII, and Mr. Mustache's government. Cornwell's research popularized a theory that this agreement gave Vatican near-total control over churches in the country in exchange for the disbandment of the predominantly Catholic, anti-German National Socialist Workers' Party, political party, the German Center Party, leading Cornwell to argue that the agreement imposed a moral duty on Catholics to obey the German maniac rulers. End quote. Sorry if I'm laughing. It's a ridiculous assertion. It's nonsense on stilts. However, that timeline is controversial because there is no direct evidence of such an exchange occurring, and it is not clear exactly what led to that series of events and those decisions. Again, and mostly, quote, let me repeat that last line. It is a quote from the article, quote, however, that timeline is controversial because there is no direct evidence of such an exchange occurring, and it is not clear exactly what led to that series of events and those decisions. And quote, time did a surprisingly good job of presenting the nuances of the issue, though they did leave a few things out. First, while Pius XII and his predecessor had an interesting relationship with the Italian dictator, much of that was spent trying to get him from not allying himself with Mr. Mustache due to the obvious folly and disaster that would bring down on Italy eventually. And then there's this bit of information most people never think about. During the war, the Vatican was surrounded on literally all sides by Italy and later by German occupation forces. But don't take my word for this or even that circumstantial evidence as something that might provide important context about the actions Pius XII may have had to take. Instead, let's look at some of his historic defenders. Rabbis of his own time, who make the claim that he saved the lives of many of the Hebrews. After all, the word of members of that religion and group are pretty much the gold standard in the world and in the media today, right? First, let's look at a modern account from a religious leader of that group. The teacher's name is David Dallin, and he has an excruciatingly detailed account from the public record of the work Pius XII did in saving the lives of countless members of that targeted group. Mostly quoting from a bit, but a bit of paraphrasing from that defense of Pius XII for the same reasons I've had to do so from before. Again, this is from a non-Catholic source, quoting mostly. 
The campaign of vilification against Pope Pius can be traced to the debut in Berlin in February 1963 of a play by a young Protestant left-wing German writer and playwright Rolf Holkuth, the deputy, in which Holkuth depicts Pacelli, Pius XII, as a German collaborator. Guilty of moral cowardice and silence in the face of the German National Socialist Worker Party onslaught is a scathing indictment of Pope Pius XII's alleged indifferences to the plight of European Hebrews during the horrors of the day. End quote. The author goes on to recount how Pius XII publicly warned against the dangers of the weird German ideology as well as in private discourse. On January 19, 1940, Pius XII took to the radio and told the Polish bishops to protect the targets of oppression from the Germans, and this was reprinted in a Boston Catholic newspaper a few days later. In fact, throughout the war, Pius XII spoke publicly against the war, against the Germans, and against German oppression and the murderous tendencies that went with that. The following quote from that piece is from the London Times of 1942. Quote, mostly again, for platform uh, sensitivities. A study of the words which Pope Pius XII has addressed since his accession, noted the Times, leaves no room for doubt. He condemns the worship of force in its concrete manifestations in the suppression of national liberties and in the persecution of the Hebrew race. End quote. I could go on and on and on. There are numerous books on the subject defending Pius XII and correcting this atheistic Protestant bit of propaganda designed to tear down Pius XII and the Catholic Church with him. But I'll leave you with this. The account of Israel Zoli is one that bears testimony to the work Pius XII did at that time. Zoli was a chief religious leader to the Hebrews in Italy. His studies of the Old Testament combined with his witnessing the work Pius XII engaged in to protect his people led to his conversion to the Catholic faith. In 1944, the Hebrew newspaper in Detroit reported that, quote, it is gradually being revealed that Jews have been sheltered within the walls of the Vatican during the German occupation of Rome. At that time, Zoli told the New York Times, quote, the Pope and the Vatican were indefatigable in working to save Hebrews, and many hundreds were sheltered in monasteries and convents in Rome and in Vatican City, end quote. This is all a matter of public record. I could go on and on and on. So what will the archives show when they open them? You know, I don't know, but if the archives contain what I suspect that they do, expect accusations of a cover-up of the enemies of the church, accusing Francis of orchestrating a cover-up to hide the supposed sins of the church. That should be obviously nonsensical. Those accusations would, of course, be nonsensical if they do come to pass, and I'm sure they will, but one thing is for certain. The church has been working to prepare for this document's release for almost two decades now, since the papacy of Benedict. The Vatican has taken this very seriously, and the secular world is waiting, with bated breath, to report on accusations about Pius XII that did not even exist until 1963. I'm betting that this will turn into another example of how the enemies of the church will embrace any fabricated narrative and run with it if it helps to attack the Catholic faith or its leadership. So brace yourselves. This story is coming in a week. Let me know your thoughts in the comments and below, and please pray for the church. And prepare yourselves for Lent. It's starting here just in a couple of days. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.